0: Well, hello there. Welcome back to another market closing live stream. In case you're wondering why my hair is crazy, it's because I went for a crazy ride in a go kart. An amazing go kart. A go kart that I highly love and that you can check out by going to medkevin.com slash cart. You can check that out with a K or a C. It doesn't matter. Metkevin.com slash cart. In the meantime, we have some things to talk about. We're going to talk about is the stock market and why it is going crazy. But the question like we had this morning is, will it last? And is it time to start paying down some margin? I think the answer to that is yes. The stock doc says, thanks to this uh, here prescription pad, it says pay off margin. You better pay off margin. This is why we have a prescription for getting out of margin. Okay, moving on. So Dow Jones, uh, falling, uh, mostly uh, on a roller coaster during the day, but uh, down uh, 0.13%. You got the S&P 500 barely left over in the green, uh, 0.05. NASDAQ up uh, 0.4. So tech again outperforming. But then again, today, really, it's a Russell 2000 that's outperforming. Russell 2000 up 2.44. This one's been lagging a little bit, a little bit behind the curve uh now coming back a bit volatility up about two percent today not that big of a deal we do have some red though we've got dwack down 9.96 percent voyager digital down 8.22 percent big digital assets down 7.48 you've got zillow down 6.23 as it wants to sell a batch of homes still trying to get uh details out of this but uh uh yeah it's not a good good sign for zillow uh not not good at all it'd be very stupid to sell a batch of homes as zillow uh, but we'll see if what else we can research here on on zillow in a moment etsy and uh, a firm uh over here getting uh, uh getting beat up a little bit after those amazon numbers it's still sort of the same news here because there's no real individual news on amazon or sorry on etsy yeah. just uh, potential disappointing forecasts on retail sales which is surprising because there is so much enthusiasm uh, for uh for spending right now and, and that spending is certainly up all right so then we've got uh, holy moly google down 2.78 percent that's a lot uh, that's a big weight on the indices that's uh that's a big old oof all right, no prey. We've got LJ Zulu. Oh, it's not working. LJ Zulu Victor today. Oh, no uh, prey. Okay, let's go get that terminal going. There we go. Okay, so uh, then we've got Dogecoin down about 3%. percent shocked on Google dropping that much. Adobe's down 1.8. Uh, we've got Funwares up there down with DWAC. Let's see, yeah, Amazon 1.72, Cloudflare uh, down 1%. Lucid, Lucid was up crazy in the pre-market, like 8% in the pre-market. Thing just tanked like 9% today. It's only down 0.77 right now, but still, I mean, compared to the pre-market, it was insane. Let's look at the runners today. On the runner side, we got Vuzi up 26%. A lot of enthusiasm for those uh, holographic wear goggles. I'm not. A big fan of the Vuzi goggles. I purchased them. I tried them. Their customer service is lacking. The product is marginal at best. Uh, and and look, I my heart goes out to the people who work for Vuzi. I don't think it's their fault. Uh, it, it's uh, you know it's 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 new technology. It's uh, in development. You know. So uh, anyway, Sofi Tech uh, uh, is uh, well, Sofi. Up 12.59%. Really good run here on SoFi. Matterport up 9.25. Amazing. Uh, big, big print attendees here. Holy crap. Tesla's up 7.3%. I didn't know it went that high. Oh my gosh. Last I checked, it was like four. Holy smokes. Look at that Tesla run. This is in freaking sanity. That's crazy. That That is, that is some kooky for Cocoa Puff stuff right here um wow 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 we want wow. but anyway uh okay so yeah tesla's down or, i'm sorry tesla's up seven something percent here this is i don't even understand the volatility on this has got to be through the roof right now i'm will check hold on let's look specifically at tesla volatility Tes- tesla 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 search all right what do we got Tesla, individual company news. No, we don't need company news. We need Tesla historic volatility graph, please. Okay, here we go. Uh, Oh, my Lord. Yeah, we are at, we are twice the 100-day average of volatility. We're 50% higher than the 30-day of volatility. I mean, this is just, this is, it's, volatility is staying insanely high right now. I'm curious. I usually don't do this, but I would be very curious to see what sell puts are like because I bet you there are a bunch of people betting against Tesla right now. Uh 41 bucks. 41 bucks for a 4 day. 41 divided by 1200. That's 3.4%. That's pretty juicy. 3.4% basically for a For a four-day put? Wow. Wow. We have skew. Let me see. Uh, Let's go 1250 and 455. Okay, so 67. Let me go over here. There we go. Stop it. Weeble, you're messing me up. Weeble. You're screwing with me. I don't like it. Oh, Weeble. Whatever. We <sighs> Weeble tends to be a little disappointing. Uh, come on, Weeble. Load me some puts. Just want to load anything. That's just, Whatever. Whatever. We'll try again. But I'm only going to try one more time. All right, here we go. All right. Um... Curious. So if I go over here, 1150 sell puts for next week. You're getting 39 bucks. You're still getting that. What are you getting? You're getting 1150 divided by 39.15. Oh, sorry, the other way around. 39.15 divided by 1150. 3.4 uh, percent plus the insulation of really, you're getting a blanket of like 45. That's nice. Selling puts right now is juicy, especially if you wanted to increase your, your position in, in Tesla and you think there's a catalyst for it to potentially correct down. These are not horrible right now. See, like if I were going to sign up to 10 of these, the problem is the collateral requirements are massive, right? I mean, this, this is going to take a million dollars, you know, 1.1 $1. 1 million dollars of collateral to make this happen. If I go to 1200 for next week, I get 61 grand. I mean, that's like buying them for 1140 these shares, which makes sense. And if I go to 1150, that's like getting them for 1110. Uh, Say you go down to 1100 for giggles and then out to December 60, still a $60 discount. That gets me the shares for 1040. And that's a $60,000 credit for December. Uh, which is only six weeks away, folks. That's crazy. That's not, this is not horrible. I don't necessarily want to tie up the collateral. But it's not horrible. I'm going to put thought into that. Lemonade. Finally moving a little bit. Uh, InsureTech. Finally, running a little bit before earnings, insuretech has been in the toiletta, toiletta, toiletta. It has been not good. All tech has just been getting smoked. Root, lemonade, hippo. It's it's just the industry, which is fine because things go in cycles. Uh, that no no insuretech today though. Reporting, we have Simon Property Group, Chegg, Clorox that reports today. Nothing uh, super duper exciting. That's yeah, that's after the close. Okay, let's see here. By the way, we're gonna have a special guest come on right after the market closes. So that'll be fun. Uh, which reminds me, I need to send them the link. <laughs> that's all right, we'll get that done. All right, so uh, let me this is insane. This Tesla rally into the close here. Just absolutely insane. Matterport 10% crazy. Uh, like I said, the market's just going mad, but, uh, Zillow getting smoked six and a half percent. I wonder where Redfin is. Redfin. Redfin's actually up slightly. Um, that is interesting. Redfin's up basically on the news that Zillow's suffering, which kind of makes sense. Like if you wanted to diversify some of your tech holdings a little bit, uh, you know, and you wanted to get exposed to real estate without being in like REITs, they're probably, I mean, but then again, is does Zillow become, when does Zillow become a buy the dip opportunity? Right? I don't know. When, when does Zillow become a wedge deal? Because I mean, they're being stupid. I don't know. All right. So, uh, what else do we have here? Well, uh, Matterport just broke 10%, rallying a little bit into the close. SoFi over 12, very good. Tesla 722. I can't believe it, but okay. And uh, DraftKings, DraftKings up 5% today. That's cool. That's cool. And then we have, yeah, there's Redfin. That's crazy. But Dave and Buster's 3874, AMC's up 4.24. Smile Direct is still sitting at $5 in the toilet down there. Hmm. Ubiquity 3.16. Coinbase. Coinbase up. Neo's still up about 3%. Despite that somewhat bad news, Enphase, wow, almost a full 3% today. Jeez, this market just, mm, scary. It's too green, folks. It's too green. I, I mean, we expected an end-of-the-year rally, but... Uh, going green pretty fast all right let's see what we got uh in the news and um let's look at some coins really quick too axie infinity 135 decentraland 306 dogecoin 27 Sheep 7099 cardano 195 ethereum 4340 and btc 60.9 Uh, yeah, I've covered calls against both Enphase and Tesla right now, some shares. And I would, I would consider potentially selling a little bit off of those. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I've already done some selling. I sent an alert to everybody in the stocks and psychology of money group already on some of the things that I've rotated on. Uh, I don't know. I might, might make a video on that later unless I fall asleep. It depends. So, all right, what is this? Somebody sent me this. How to trade crypto as it hits all-time highs. I don't know. I didn't watch that. Uh, Pancake saw. Oh, this was back when we were doing the Squid Gamer stuff. That's right. Okay. So let's get to where we want to be, which is the news. Okay. Mansion slams breaks on Biden's economic plan. Man, it's just Biden cannot catch a break with that plan. Uh, and now I know there are a lot of uh, you know supporters in here of the Let's Go Brandon movement but uh, let's uh, let's take a look here. Senator Joe Manchin said Congress needs more time to assess the impact of Joe Biden's $1.75 trillion tax and spend package. The Democrat refused to say when he, whether he supports an outline Biden presented last week or whether there'd been any progress in negotiations over the weekend. His remarks are a blow to Biden who presented to House Democrats what he says was a compromise plan. Manchin also criticized progressive Democrats for holding up a bipartisan infrastructure bill until there's a full agreement on the larger economic package. Yeah. So remember, folks, there there are two uh, infrastructure packages. One is hard infrastructure like uh, roads, railroads, ports, transportation, uh, you know, like actual infrastructure. Right. And then uh, that's already been passed by the Senate. The House could literally just sign it and be done with it. They have the votes. But they're not because progressives are like, well, we don't want to sign your funding for highways and hard infrastructure unless you sign our social spending package. That's their argument, right? The social spending package includes uh, things like the extension of the child tax credit, which is the $300 per month for uh, every child under six, $250 per month for every child under uh, 18. Uh, they would be extending that for a year along with other things like paid leave. But so far, it looks like a free community college has been nixed, but there would be uh, some form of free preschool for children. Yeah, it looks like here's another update. Mansion, it says, I won't, oh, it's not loading now. Now it's pinned. Here we go. I won't support a bill unless it's paid for, limits inflation and boosts the economy and helps Americans. Uh, and so, obviously, the uh, the expectation there is uh, that this this potential social spending could could lead to some more inflation. That's been a fear of Joe Manchin's for a while. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not going to be able to solve world hunger yet. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see here. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not really that easy. It's it's not that easy to say our military budget is $7.8 trillion. How about we cut some of that to fund infrastructure? It's just, you know, because what you're talking about is cut the military to fund uh, social programs, right? But when you cut military it to some degree, that also means some people are losing their jobs, which means now, the money you're cutting there, you might have to support those folks with other social programs because now they have no jobs. So there's there's a balance to everything. Sure, the the, the expense for a military might look large, but, and, and I, I, I think there are definitely things that can be cut in the military. You know, I think there's a lot of wasteful spending and inefficiency, but I, I don't think it's that easy. And it's certainly not that easy for Congress to get on, right? Like we could debate all day long about where we can cut from the military. Don't get me wrong. But what you got to think of is like, are you going to get Republicans on board with that? Probably not. You know, we're the largest military force in the world by like 3x uh, or, or more with our technological abilities. So, yeah, that's that's a tough one. And that's a tough sell with Republicans. So, you got to keep that in mind. It's, uh, it's how are you going to politically sell something like that? Cut the Fed? Bring on the fiscal stims? Oh you mean like uh the, the t- well, at the same time as taper <laughs> starts start sending the checks uh, Manchin said Monday he wants a complete analysis of the Biden plan yeah I mean there there always will be I mean there'll be a um, congressional research report on this uh, the CBO will always will always score bills like this so we'll see all right so Let's see here. All right. Manufacturing growth in the U.S. eases. We saw that this morning. Somebody writes here, recently doubled my account. Pay off 20K of 5.3% debt, home in January, down payment secured. Better pay off debt and reinvest. Debt to income max with mortgage. I mean, me personally, yeah. I mean, it depends what kind of debt that is. If it's margin debt, absolutely pay it off. You know, so it depends what, what kind of debt it is. Mortgage debt might be different. You know, if it's like a credit line or something, I don't know. What's this? The Trump SPAC had a head start. Tell me more. The way a special purpose acquisition company works is that sponsors raise a bunch of money and then go out and look for uh, a private company and take public. In theory, anyone could do this. I could launch a SPAC and try to raise money from the readers of this column. Maybe it would work. Then I'd have some money in the bank, and then I'd go out and look for a company to acquire. How would I do that? I don't know. I personally, I don't personally know anyone who runs a big private company that they'd like to run uh, turn public. I suppose I could call up some investment bankers and say, "Hey, do you know any companies that would like to merge with a spec?" But I gather that hundreds of specs are calling those bankers every day. Okay. Uh, oh, it just it wants me to sign in. Okay. I mean, so far, this just seems like an opinion article here. I don't know that we need to go through the opinions of potential Trump backers here for uh, the Trump SPAC. Let's instead go ahead and look back at some of the sticks here to see what's going on. Is Tesla still moving? Where is Tesla? Yeah, Tesla's still hanging out at 726. I am tempted by some of those sell puts. But then again, I also don't like selling puts when the market has has moved uh, so high. Uh, but then again, you could take advantage of some, some certainly some increased volatility here. But uh, you're, you're tying up a potential liquidity. So if the market falls, now you're potentially going into margin to buy the dip. But that dip, you know, could end up being worse. Who knows? Anyway, 6% on Lemonade. Lemonade's finally doing a nice little move here. Good, good, good. Invitae, BlackBerry, Meta. It's, it's running before earnings is what it is. Outlets up 4.4%. CRISPR's actually up four percent. Wow, this is a little bit of a shocker. Shift technologies. Hey, I just submitted my car to uh uh to shift to see what they'd pay me for it. So I'll have to you'll have to let me know. How are my metaverse investments going? Oh amazing. My biggest one is uh Matterport. And look, it's up again nine percent. I mean this thing uh I did a big like 1.6 million dollar purchase at like 19. Uh, what was it? So it was like 1905 or something. So current number divided by 1905. And this was like a week and a half ago. Yeah. It's up like 30% on 1.6 mil. It was like, yes, thank you. That was great. But yeah, I really love the, uh, metaverse, uh, Matterport potential. Are you going to get your lucid air order? I have no idea. I have no idea. They're, they're stringing me along and it's very annoying and they, w- they won't even invite me for a test drive, even though all these other car YouTubers have gotten test drives. It's like, really? It just feels shady. feels like I'm getting shafted. That's it. Oh, so anyway, looking forward to that shift review. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Cause I also submitted one to Carvana and Vroom. So we'll see, I uh, you know, we'll shop it out. We'll see how it goes, you know, all right. If I, see, if I sell, sell my Tesla, I would, uh, I'd be able to buy one more Tesla stock a month. No, because they do car reviews for a living. So I do stock reviews for a living. What's the difference? They're running ads to promote their, their cars and the stock. What's the difference? You got a whole different audience over here, you know, unemployment. Okay. Let's see. I never did an interview with the CEO. No. (laughs) <laughs> you are too detailed about your reviews. They need other novices to find the obvious stuff before giving. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's really nice. I'm, I'm by no means a car expert, but I do appreciate that. Uh, okay, alphabet. Wow, Google now down three percent. What is? Look at Google. Look at this, folks. This is profit taking. This is a. This is a little bit of a of an inflection here, I think, in the market because this is uh, people cashing out. Of of uh, plays like Google, uh, in my opinion, that's uh, that's a little bit of a profit taking and B hedging. This is this is institutional hedging we're seeing right now. My bet. Uh, I believe that. Okay, I want to see the spy too. Matterport holding on to ten percent. Oh, Oh, twelve hundred Tesla. Oh, they hit twelve hundred. Oh my gosh, look at that. It just went to 1202. Look at that volume surge. People are taking their money out of Google and throwing it into Tesla. Wow. Wow, it's insane. Well, we've got a very special guest coming on regarding Tesla. So uh, it's an institutional investor in Tesla. So be really cool. Uh, uh, Oh, uh, let's see here. Fuzzy. Okay. Wow. This, what a nutso day. Uh, it's hard to comprehend sometimes. Anyway, Roblox uh, down 3.2%. Amazon... The Google. I want to see what's the volatility like on Google. Do we get a pop on Google's vol? Not necessarily that I want to sell some puts, but I want to look how much volatility potentially spiked. Uh. Oh yeah. Ooh, we got a nice little juicy volatility bump there. Woo. We have not seen that kind of volatility in google in a while hold on a sec let me go back to january that was literally when we last saw that kind of volatility yep nailed it so last time we had this kind of volatility at google was at the beginning of january and the beginning of march so we've been at these elevated levels before but that is it i find this very interesting look at this the volume keeps going up and it's sell volume That is substantial sell volume Tesla. Uh, and then we did, it looked like a potentially a large institution buy came in over here. And that's really what pushed us to 1203 sitting at 12, essentially one right now. Wow. What's going on with Apple? Well, where were you last week when we covered our Apple earnings? That would give you the answer. Look at that. GameStop up 9.15% as well. I bet you GameStop's moving on Metaverse because they got the whole NFT and W3 developer position and all that good stuff. Microvision, Matterport, Fisker 9%, Plug Power. Woo! Very cool. Macy's. Wow. Macy's up 7.4%. My goodness. So Macy's is up 7.4%, but Etsy and Amazon and a firmer down. I mean, I guess brick and mortar. There's gotta be news on Macy's. There's no way. Let me see. Macy's. I think Tesla has the potential of splitting around 1500. Yeah, I don't particularly see a reason for uh, Macy's. Huh. Yeah, how's El Cid doing? Lucid's down about 1.36. Robin Hood's 34. Robin Hood's just dirty right now. They got downgraded by J.P. Morgan. Gosh, they bagged on them hard. JP Morgan wrote him up at $26. Whew, dirty. Let's see here what the uh, volatility is like on Robinhood. Volatility on Robinhood. Eh, nothing special. Oh, it's kind of moving a little bit here. How about volatility on Pinterest, I hear. Okay, let's see what we have. Yeah, PINS is still up. It's slowly rotating down, though. Very slowly rotating down. You got some buy pressure coming into Robinhood here. Wouldn't surprise me if you had uh, funds like Kathy Woods buying Robinhood today and selling Tesla. Whoa, 1207. OMG. And then SureTech is up. Root is up. Lemonade is up. And that must mean Hippo is probably up somewhere. Student debt. I'd probably pay off student debt, yeah. Snap going wild into the close. Well, okay. Yeah, a lot of volume. This is uh it's probably honestly this a lot of this could be Kathy. A lot of this could be Kathy Wood, you know, sell Tesla by uh buy snap, buy uh whatever the other thing was we just looked at. Wow. This is insane. I don't get it. Let me see. Take a look here. Tesla. Wow, the call options are just, oh my gosh. They're really green. Well, duh. I mean, I'm not going to close anything, right? I really should. Oh, well too late now. One minute to the close and be rushing. Ah, screw it. Robinhood's not letting me in anyway. Whatever. Uh, Kevin, did you sell Tesla when it fell down this year? No, I I increased my exposure to Tesla. And you got so much criticism because you were holding such an overvalued car company. Oh yeah. People always make fun of me for my Tesla projections, but they're morons. So I don't really care. I don't have to listen to people's dumb opinions. So, uh, okay. All right. So we're going into the close with backed holdings down 15%. Affirm's down six and a bit. Zillow's down six and a quarter. Tesla broke all-time highs, broke 1,200. It's at 1,208 going into the close. Let's listen to the closing bell. This is a crazy closing. but we'll have a special guest coming up soon. Uh,
1: tomorrow, the dollar is down a quarter of a percent, having had a decent run uh, last
0: And And there you have it. We are up uh, 0.26% on the Dow, 0.18% on the S&P 500. NASDAQ up 0.63 and Russell 2000s up 0.265. We do have earnings coming up. We have earnings coming up on Chegg uh, coming up at 405 earnings coming up then after that we have clorox uh coming up then we have simon property group coming up and us yeah we got the Simon property group okay it's a good split we'll be able to see what's up with those yeah okay good so simon clorox check Let's see what's up here. Chegg is the textbook rental website. They are implying a 8.7% move after earnings. Clorox have been having a little bit of a rough run, mostly because uh, people think that potentially individuals might be stocked up enough on Clorox-style products now. Simon Property Group hits a 52-week high at 147.80. Right before earnings. All right. Let's see here. Let's hop on over. And waiting for those earnings to come through. In the meantime, make sure you get up to $70 in totally free stock with the stock trading app Public. Go to medkevin.com slash Public get up to $70 totally for free. They don't buy or sell your information and they don't use payment for order flow. Check it out by going to metkevin.com slash public and follow me there at meetkevin. Okay. So let's see if we continue a trend here on a firm or if we end up holding 150. Let's take a look at the one hour chart here for a firm. We have a pretty solid trend right here. Yeah. Look, look at this trend right here. That's, that's pretty solid right there. Here we go. Pretty solid trend right here. We'll see if uh, if this ends up giving us any kind of uh, indication of more of a downside coming. But I think it's really too early to tell. Yeah, a little messy here. So we'll leave that trend line here. Keep an eye on uh, Affirm tesla has just obviously gone bonkers take a look at it again here yeah tesla up 8.53 percent. that's insane and folks it's rising after hours it's going up in the after hours that is kooky von dookie that's just insane oh my goodness Ay, ay, ay. All right. Um. Wow. It's up at uh 1214 right now. 1214 in the afters. Unbelievable. Waiting for these earnings. Clorox. Simon Property Group. Chegg. Got about one minute to go until we get some earnings. Let's see if anything else is really moving in the after hours here. Not really. Pretty quiet in the after hours so far. We get Chegg up here. All right, here's Chegg running really into earnings, but look at it. it. This thing crashed. I mean, it was $115 stock, now trading for $57, ran today. A little bit of excitement coming back. Clorox, Simon Property Group, still waiting. Should have a first set of earnings in about 30 seconds here. Take a look at this. Voyager Digital finishes up at about, uh, finishes down about 5%. Lemonade, uh, 0.67% in after hours again. Waiting for Chegg now. Chegg should be the first to move and clorox and simon property group we're on standby and we are at 105 there it is chegg comes in with a revenue of 171.9 eps beats 20 cents versus 19 expected and net revenue came in on a miss 171.9 versus 174 expected that is a a miss on on the net revenue but the bottom line beat uh, that was ooh bad guidance, not good guidance. Seven hundred sixty-two to seven hundred sixty-four million of guidance saw eight hundred five to eight hundred fifteen. Big miss on guidance, big miss on the uh, on on the uh, well, big miss on guidance, and then a miss on revenue. Stock now down eleven point four percent. That's in that's like it. That was faster than instant karma right there. That I mean, and I'm not suggesting that Chegg deserved any kind of instant karma, but. That was faster than those those car crash compilations you see on YouTube where it's like instant karma. That was so fast. Oh, accelerating 14, 13, 15% now. Uh bobbing in the after hours, unsure what to do here, but it looks like you're getting more sell orders coming through from institutions, some computer programmed uh, sell orders here. 1477 now. Uh, to the downside, 17, 16 to 17% down now on Chegg. And we are waiting, Clorox, awaiting oh, Clorox and eh, with uh, no ETA on when Clorox is going to report. And then we do have Simon Property Group coming out in four minutes. Now down 18%, 20% on Chegg. So oh, this place, this one's just getting eradicated absolutely eradicated. Uh, See if this is a company that you could even buy the dip on. I don't know anything about a textbook rentals. This shouldn't even be textbooks. Honestly, it should all be digital expecting 26% growth. They are profitable at about a dollar 48 of EPS dollar 79 expected next year. $2 expected the year after Uh, that's not bad. One forty eight. So what's it at now? It's selling for about 35 times this year's earnings. But uh, how how are you saying Shiba's running right now? It's at 71. It's been here like all day, like this. I mean, this is just this is just a moment in the life of crypto. Tesla relatively flat in after hours at 1214. That's insane. It is insane. Doesn't make sense. It's a very, very quick, rapid catch up. But then again, the market does that. You know, and we've said it many times about Tesla. Yeah, we'll probably make a video on the Zillow flop. Mm. Let's see. Okay, all right, next earnings come out in 90 seconds. We are waiting for Clorox and the Simon Property Group. Simon Property Group comes out in 90 seconds. Simon Property Group was one of my trades during the pandemic. Man, we bought this thing at like 49, 52. (laughs) That was crazy. Crazy, crazy times. How do they calculate guidance? Well, probably because the company has already gone through half the quarter. Well, one month of the quarter. Geez, Simon Property Group up a third of a percent here. A little bit of excitement. Tesla just turned slightly red there in the after hours. Now down about 0.08%, 0.05%. All right. All right. We should have Simon Property Group in 35 seconds. See what happens. All right. So Simon Property Group in 20 seconds now. Let's go ahead and pull it. Simon Property Group. And then we're going to talk Tesla. Okay, Simon Property Group. Waiting for it. Five seconds, and we should have it. And no, okay, we're we're at we're at go time. It's one ten. There it is. Three point one three a share Q three, E Q three. Wait, uh, no, that's forward. Wait a second. This is very confusing. Beat estimate. Oh yeah, wow. Three point one three versus two point five three expected. That's a good beat, actually. Increases full year guidance. Nice. See, 6.61 EPS to 6.71. Not a lot of details on this one, but a good beat there on Simon Property Group. Yet, despite a good beat, you're still down about a percent there in the after hours on, uh, uh, on Simon Property Group. Looks like expectations were a little bit higher. Okay. So let's, uh, let's now talk Tesla. All right. All right, folks. Now we're going to talk about Tesla and to help me talk about Tesla, I'm going to bring in a legendary Tesla investor. Uh, His name is Gary Black. You should follow him on Twitter. He's amazing and incredibly insightful, and I'm super excited to bring him on. It's my first time talking to him on the channel and bringing him to you here and super excited. So Gary, welcome aboard. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Good, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, Gary, this is insane. 12.08, is this sustainable? When is Tesla going to go down so we can buy more?
1: I think it's going higher. Um, You know, when you think about what's driving this move, it's a couple things. One, the 22 estimates keep going up, right? The analysts are behind. They're pushing estimates up. They're pushing price targets up. Two, you got a lot of portfolio managers who've been underweight Tesla all year, uh, which has worked. And now as the stock has taken off, it's up uh, 70% year to date, right? Uh, nice. And, and it, you know, the NASDAQ is up, like, I don't know, 20, 23 or so you got all these portfolio managers scrambling and they, they don't like Amazon anymore, they don't like Apple, they don't like Facebook, they gotta find something to buy and Tesla has great fundamentals. Third, you got the EV credit that's still out there, right? So this is part of the infrastructure bill. It's gonna be $8,000 for Tesla, Tesla zero today, okay? So that's another thing. And then when you think about all the stuff next year, you got Cybertruck coming, you got this $25,000 compact car coming when i look at tesla it's worth about 1400 bucks i think it's still going higher
0: now you run an actively managed etf is there a limit to how much tesla you could have in it
1: you know we have one limit we're a uh, what they call a non-diversified fund so we can have positions that are more than five percent we can't have any more than 25 percent in any one industry this is the ticker ffnd future fund um we've gotten off to a great start we're up i don't know close to eight percent in two months uh, beating our benchmarks, beating our, beating most of the folks out there, um, but no, we can't own more than 25% in any one industry. That's our only limitation. So we're getting close to about 10%, which is kind of the limit that a lot of people think of, but as long as we still see really good upside downside, and when we put a stock in, it's got to have at least two times upside to downside, we'll continue to own it, and, 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 and it will probably be our biggest position to
0: now, uh, a lot of folks complain that Tesla's P-E ratio is too high, that it's fundamentally overvalued. Uh, you know, I, I make argument videos against these folks regularly and try to show, look at all these future uh, revenue uh, potentials that we have, the growth rates that we have. Do Do individuals in the market fundamentally misassociate? pe with being over or undervalued and then get stuck investing in value traps and then they wonder why they missed the boat on things like tesla
1: i think individuals get it better than the institutional guys because i hear institutions saying that all the time and look if you go to business school even if you take a basic finance course you learn very early on as you alluded to you got to look at present value of future earnings or future cash flows which is what we do so we go out to 2025, You can go out to 2030, but we can only forecast about five years. Yeah. We come up with about $40 in earnings for Tesla in 2025, and it's driven by EV adoption. EV adoption is soaring, okay? So this year it's about 6%, This last year was three, next year it'll be 10. So we go out to 2025, we get $40 in earnings. You gotta figure out what kind of PE you think Tesla will deserve in 2025. It's gonna slow, it's not gonna be, you know, the same growth rate you have today, so sure. we, come up, we come up with about 50 times as the appropriate multiple looking forward from 2025. And you can calculate it mathematically.
0: You put 2000 60, bucks a share.
1: 50 times 40 is two grand, and then you discount it back. You got to come up with a discount rate that reflects Tesla's riskiness. Tesla has about a, a 1.6 beta, which is a measure of its risk riskiness. So I take the 10-year Treasury, which is about 2%. We think it'll be about 2%. The average year equities beat bonds by six multiply that times 1.6, you get 11.6% discount. Very cap M financial theory BS, but, but, it, but it works. And so when you discount $2,000 back by 1.16 for about three and a half years, which is where we are in 2025, you get about $1,400. So that's the way I think about it. I still see plenty of upside for Tesla. If, and, and where I'm gonna be wrong, is EV adoption will probably accelerate even quicker than what I'm thinking is. And Tesla, I'm assuming Tesla just holds on to its market share in in the EV space. So my bet is that we're going to continue to take our estimates up, which will push our price target up even higher. But when people talk about PEs, I just shake my head and say, you don't understand the way to value growth stocks. Nobody looks at growth stocks based on current PE, why? Because the earnings this year for any growth stock, whether it be Chipotle or Airbnb or Trade Desk, or even Amazon, going to be much higher in the future you can't evaluate a growth stock based on pe it just doesn't make any sense
0: Br- brilliantly said uh i don't know by the way if there's a setting on your mic but if you could maybe dial your volume down just a little okay. bit it's peaking a little bit no worries though if not uh in the meantime i want to i just pulled up my sheet on tesla i have 20 dollars for 2025 what you're you're twice as bullish as i am and i thought i was a tesla bull uh, what what's driving your forty dollars?
1: Yeah, well, I assume that EV adoption will be sixty okay. percent um, by twenty thirty, and then I back up. in twenty twenty five, I'm at about thirty percent. Again, in this year it'll be six. Twenty twenty one, next year it'll be ten. I assume that Tesla's going to just hold on to its EV share. A lot of people argue with me about you know focus on EV share focus on overall share. So I multiply EV adoption, by EV share, and I get units. I take the units, without getting into all the details, times the average price, and I'm assuming the average price goes down over time. Remember, they have Cybertruck next year, we'll have Tesla compact in 2023, multiply times the operating margin, and I get earnings Now, My $40 number, which is worth $2,000, includes nothing for solar, includes right. nothing for servicing, includes nothing for robo-taxi, Includes nothing for um, any kind of insurance. I'm just looking at the EV business, and the EV business to me is worth 40 bucks a share in earnings.
0: Now, uh, right, it, it, the latest stat that I have here is that Tesla accounted for 79% of new electric vehicles registered in the US in 2020. Is, is that the, the number that you're using?
1: No, we're using a number that we, we look at it globally. I think you're looking at just US. So okay. we, they operate globally. In fact, they make more. Uh, Tesla's in China than they do in the U.S. today.
0: So yeah, that's true. Yeah, this is U.S. On a
1: global basis, and, and there's a lot of data out there that you can track. We try to do it by region, but globally, Tesla's- 15%. About, what's
0: that? Uh, globally, about what, 15, now between 15
1: just, and 20%? No, 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 it's about 21, 22 today. Okay. So, so when we go, again, we can get into as much math as you want, but when we look at it, we take the EV adoption times the EV share. We use 21%, by the way. And the sure. option you can multiply each year. You multiply times the global SAR, and you get units. Units times pricing times operating margin gives you uh, pre-tax profits. Put a tax rate about 15-20% uh, on it, and that's how we get our net income number. Again, we don't really add anything for energy, solar energy. We don't really anything for the service. they don't make any money today.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what I do as well as I literally put zero for energy I and mean, it's like a loss leader, uh, insurance, semis, robo taxi, all that. I that's use 40 K. 40K... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's conservative. then. you're being conservative. Boy. Yeah. hundred percent. What I, um, I also use about 40 K a vehicle in 2025. What did you find that reasonable? Thank you. Sir.
1: I'm a little higher than that. I'm about 48 ish. 48. Uh, wow.
0: Okay. If I what, change
1: what mine I do, to 48, what I do, that's... I, I break it down by model. So, right now, Model 3, Model Y, you know, are probably 85, 90% of the business. You got to add Model S and X, which have been refreshed, and there's a lot of demand right now for those. Cybertruck, I use about the same as Model Wild, though I know once Cybertruck goes out, because they have over a million pre orders, Cybertruck's price is going to get raised. And really, yes. the wild card, this is the hardest thing to model.
0: It is. Know. It is.
1: What is the, what is the compact going to do? Tesla Q, some people call it a Model 2. It's not going to be Model 2. I don't think it's going to be called Model Q. I think they're going to call it Tesla compact. And then, so you've you, you got to forecast Tesla compact, and then you got to figure out how much does it cannibalize Model 3? Because Model 3 is going to be the thing to cannibalize. It's not going to be Model Y.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? So you got a $40,000 Model 3 that's being cannibalized by, you know, what'll probably start as a $25,000 Tesla compact. And that's, that's yeah. the modeling question
0: you know it's it's funny uh, i just i just realized that when i when i updated my 40k per vehicle to 48 i realized that even though my projected eps for 2025 was half of yours uh if if i update uh to to about 48k a vehicle and uh and, and you're about 50 times earnings probably i think you're still a little bit more bullish than me but I, we're we're in pretty much the same place so uh, i agree with you
1: how many units do you have in
0: 2025? So in
1: 2025, I have 4.8. You're close, I have 5.2. So oh, a- look at that.
0: <laughs> that's, that. Like.
1: that's good. You know what's so fair. interesting, you know, there's so many competitors, uh, not competitors, but people on the sell side who do this for a living, right? And I manage money, you do what you do for a living. But the sell side focuses on Tesla and they just consistently get it wrong. I'm always yes. amazed at the beginning of every year, and we're kind of getting to the beginning of the year, I start so much higher than analysts on the current year, which is what happened this year. And then by the time we get to the end of the year, they catch up. So now I'm in 2022, because nobody's looking at 2021 anymore. I'm using $12 in earnings for next year. Okay. You know where the street is? $850. Oh. And this is about, it's a 35% difference. It's about the same difference that I was in 2021 at the beginning of the year. And then they catch up. And so now we're kind of at the end of the year, we're looking at 22, uh, $12 a share in earnings. Big number.
0: Wow. So now I want to ask you uh, on margin. We just broke a threshold here. We just broke 30% on margin uh, with uh, with credits. We expect that to be 30% without in the future. I, you know, the the whole credit debate, like not even worth having because I'm tired of seeing the trolls like, oh, only profitable because of credits. They're fine, right? Uh, I know you're on the same page with that. But what do you think? How high can this actually go? Have we have we peaked on margin, or where where can a, an auto manufacturer actually go on gross margin?
1: Yeah. So first of all, you're right. Back out the ZEV credits, which because they're going to go away. And I assume yeah. they'll go away, not in 2022, but 2023. I assume they go away. So my price target assume zero ZEV credits, because as everybody starts making ZEVs, you know, making EVs they're not going to need to buy them anymore. So that that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, 28 is the number for third quarter excluding the regulatory credits. So I assume 28 for next year, because I'm trying to be conservative, and then I gradually move it up to about 30% by 2025. And that's my, my assumption. But again, I think I'm being pretty conservative right now because I'm assuming a lower gross margin for next year than they had in the third quarter.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think you are being conservative, but that's good because that gives you that margin of safety, which is perfect for investing. And especially if you're managing someone's money,
1: you want to have it. And I'll tell you the biggest investment controversy is as competition takes off the gloves. Okay. And they really try to go after Tesla and, and risk cannibalizing their own, what we call ice franchise internal combustion engine franchise. And they take off the gloves and go at it, you know, as heavy as they can deliberately cannibalize themselves are they going to gain share that's the key investment controversy and so yeah. far it's like where's the competition right they haven't really shown up and everybody keeps saying well they're coming they're coming and look from an evidence standpoint they are changing their strategy you see f-150 which is the best-selling pickup truck in america for 40 years now going to bring out an f-150 ev okay you see uh, porsche mccann I'm, I'm a porsche guy i've driven porsches my whole life now I'm a Tesla guy. I don't drive Porsches anymore. I drive Teslas. But Porsche McCann is the best-selling Porsche. They're going to bring out a Porsche McCann EV. What are you drinking? Is that a monster?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm a little tired today. <laughs> no, I, have, I, have I didn't sleep
1: enough. You have to drink this. This is like the best thing out there. What is that? Celsius. It's like if you get on Amazon after Monster and Red Bull, this is the energy drink people are buying. We own it in our portfolio. That's why I'm showing it
0: to you. What, what stock is this?
1: c-e-l-h celsius got a market cap of oh, i don't know let's say 7 billion it's not much much it's a big cap name i'll tell you what it is in a minute.
0: i'll check that out oh yeah c-e-l-h okay yeah yeah
1: 7.5 if you go into a, a into a convenience store talk to the owners um can't really talk to amazon people but this thing is a great because it tastes good and it has no calories in it it tastes do you live in florida good. what's that do you live in florida no, but it's in florida that's where their headquarters is
0: yeah yeah well that's why i was wondering because sometimes you get the like there could be that local bias right
1: <laughs> No, no, i live in chicago i mean you don't find this out here to be honest with you but you know where you do find it you find it in sweden ah. <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> Just, i think it got started but but if i point back to back to tesla's the investment contrary is that as competitors take off the gloves tesla's going to finally lose share i'm not buying it okay because there's a brand team associated with you stick a mercedes or a volkswagen even a porsche nameplate on the back of an ev people are confused because they're used to those brands meaning gas guzzling and 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 combustion engine and i'm going to give an example from the marketing world think of cigarettes okay marlboro camel newport are the top three brands in regular cigarettes you know where those brands are in e-cigarettes which is the newest thing those things are nowhere it's new it's um Focus. It's uh, Mark Ten. You don't see those Google plans all on e-series because it doesn't make sense to a consumer. And see, this is this is there's a big thing on CNBC today. There's saying, why do active managers all underperform? Because they all do, okay. And I think a lot of it's because they never worked in a real operating job. I have, you probably have. They've only been financial analysts. Hard. They don't know what the consumers think. They don't understand branding. They don't understand jam. You can't <laughs> just slap a Volkswagen nameplate or a Ford nameplate or a Chevy nameplate on an EV and expect it to buy. You know, it's just not gonna happen that easily. So even if you look at Porsche, which has been the most successful with Taycan, Taycan, almost all the volume has come internally from Panamera. You can draw a chart. Wow. Taycan going like this, Panamera going like this. And so that's the problem here, that the consumer doesn't let you just slap an ice brand on top of an EV and expect it to sell. The consumer wants a brand that means clean energy. That's why Tesla's doing so well. That's why Rivian will do well. That's why Lucid will do well. Okay. So. That's incredible.
0: You know, I never thought about that before. This, uh, what, But this transition you just mentioned between uh, cigarette companies failing to get into e-cigarettes, you'd think that would be the easiest, most logical transition. Like if I were going to start an e-cigarette brand 10 years ago or five years ago, I'd be thinking to myself, what's to stop Marlboro from just rolling me?
1: Right. Marlboro e-cig, and there's no such thing. And what, you know what's even more incredible about it? I used to cover the tobacco industry why I know, probably more than I should know about it. Philip Morris, which owns Marlboro, owns Juul. Well, they own the rights to Juul. Ah. They chose not to use Marlboro on e-cigarettes. Yeah. look at all the top e-cigarette brands, they're all owned by the top tobacco companies. Wow. It's really hard to take a tainted brand and stick it on something that's supposed to mean like you know, clean tar or whatever, it's like a disconnect. It's almost like an active ETF. You know, it's very hard to take an ETF and have like an existing brand name on it because ETFs are all about transparency and, you know, saving on tax and things like that. So yeah. when you try to take it back to a topic at hand, when you try to take, you can tell I've had one too many of these today, right? It's all right. You to, when you try to take a clean energy brand, and, you know, like Tesla, and you put it up against an ice brand like Ford or GM, there's no way that they can compete with it. It just is
0: not Okay, so then I have a question for you because uh, one of the things that I've liked about Lucid is that it is one of the first uh, non-Tesla uh, pure EV plays that's public and that's delivering vehicles now. Just, okay. just delivered vehicles Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's led to a lot of enthusiasm for the stock. I can't, um, you know, the valuation's a a lot more difficult to come around because you you can't run numbers on their factory efficiencies yet because you have no quarterly earnings yet showing how efficient they are. And I doubt they're going to be efficient. I mean, when Neo first produced vehicles, their margin was like 2%, then 4%. You know, it took a while for them to even get into the teens. So how do you go about valuing something like Lucid? Or do you even
1: care? Is this just going to be like a winner takes all? Yeah, it is really hard. I mean, you point out, I can't come up with a volume number. I can look yeah. at the auction, but I don't know what the deliveries are going to be, especially since they're starting with the, the vehicles they started delivering a the weekend for $170,000. Yeah. So how many of the $90,000 or $80,000 Lucid are going to actually sell? I'm not a buyer here of Lucid. It looks like it's about $37. I just think it's, it, you know, there's finger up in the air forecasting going on with Lucid at this point and so I'm not a buyer of it. On the other hand, Rivian's gonna come public next week. Rivian, they're gonna put a value of about $60 billion on. Rivian has a much better potential for succeeding because they're competing in the truck business, which is the most profitable part of the business, about 20% market share. So if you think about TAM, they're gonna be playing in 20% of the TAM, global adjustable market. And then they're gonna take their brand and leverage it, another concept if you've worked in a brand management organization, leverage it into a different category called SUVs, and you're gonna have a Rivian SUV sometime next year. That's about 40% of the market. So their TAM is, this is an interesting lesson from Tesla. Their TAM will go from 20 to 60. Whereas Lucid, once you start with a sedan, what are you gonna do, are you leverage to leverage it to an SUV? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. So the reason why I got excited about Tesla originally, I got into the stock not that long ago, 2019, because they decided they were gonna double capacity because they opened up Shanghai and they were gonna leverage their brand uh, into Model Y, which is the baby SUV. They had a big SUV, which is the Model X, but that crossover segment, CUV segment, is 40% of the market in the US, it's like 45% of the market in China and in Europe. So if you just do the math, you're you're basically going from, at the time, you're going from about 20% of the market with Tesla, and the big SUV, it was only a little tiny piece, but that CUV segment, the crossover vehicle segment, 40%, 40%. percent they basically going from 24, I think it was, to 65% of the market overnight. And so here's here's what's going on next year. They're going into Europe with this CUV, right? They're going to make the Model Y in Berlin. They're exporting it in from China, but it's it's overpriced because you've got to pay a 10% uh, import tax from China into Europe. Once you make it in Berlin, you can sell that CUV, which is 40% of the market against all the, all the European competitors. That's huge, okay? Back to Rivian, it's the same thing. You're leveraging your brand, you're, you're building your 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 TAM. So when a Rivian first comes out, people are just going to put the value of the um, uh, of the truck in there, which is the pickup truck, right? But you really got to think about is so they're going to capture a certain percentage share of the SUV market as well, it's the CUV market. Well, why,
0: why do you think Lucid can't uh, make this transition from sedan to SUV? I mean, think that's the one place you lost me. You
1: could I mean? You know, think about it. Tesla was able to do it, right? But they had a Model X for a long time. I just think it's harder now. I think you know when Tesla did it, they were the only EV out there. Yeah. Like, now you got a ton of EVs out there, and, and you you brought up the Chinese names before, Neo, XPevli. They all have um, you know, they all have little sedans and little SUVs. So I just think it's very really hard at this point for Lucid to go down the path of oh, let's introduce an SUV and compete with Tesla um, and Rivian. And, and, you know, the, the ICE guys have all woken up. So, they're, like, you're going to have a, a Volvo uh, XC90 EV, I guess, next year, okay? But there's a lot more competition today, that's all.
0: Yeah, but you've also got, I mean, like, Volvo, they're expected to deliver, like, uh, half a million electric vehicles by 2025. Rivian's expected to do, like, one-tenth of that by 2025. Minute, uh, who's huh? expecting?
1: Who's expecting? It's management. Uh, that's a uh, forecast, right?
0: Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, so uh, this is uh, one. No, the, for, the only forecast I have for Rivian is an analyst forecast. And uh, and then uh, a- average analyst forecast for Volvo. But
1: um, Volvo shows EVs for analysts?
0: That, that, uh, exactly. Expected to deliver 1 million vehicles by 2025, with half of them being fully electric, the rest being hybrids. It was an expectation. Okay,
1: that's possible. look volvo's got a great brand for safety i always think in terms of what i call brand equities and who owns them okay so performance ferrari performance but tesla also owns performance battery range is another reason by evs tesla clearly owns the brand equity for range even though uh, lucid's got a you know 520 mile range um technology fsd tesla clearly owns that so i'm listing off all the characteristics that people use when they choose an suv if you go out and do focus groups of people and say what's important to you okay those are three right. things that are really important i think as we get more and more into autonomous driving and you're starting to see it really ramp up safety becomes a huge element of the brand equity and who owns safety uh in the brand equity space the Volvo, if you were to if you were to go to a bar tonight and ask 10 people what's the safest vehicle out there automobile vehicle out there I bet you seven out of 10 say Volvo. Wow. People don't wow. say Tesla. Tesla needs to own safety. And I think Elon knows that. You hear him talking a lot about safety now. I think, you know, that's a dimension that they will try to own. They have, if you look at their actual safety records in terms of debts for um, mile driven, accident, they have one of the safest cars out there, but people don't know about it. And here's the problem, Tesla doesn't advertise. They use social media, try to get their word out. Elon's like, Great marketing genius using social media, but once you've got all the other manufacturers advertising, they're going to have no, no. They're, they're going to have to somehow advertise a little bit just to compete with them. But back to Volvo. Volvo owns the safety uh, brand equity right now. If you take Volvo, you add EV to it, you add autonomy to it. Volvo could be a really interesting story here. I haven't said enough to know whether I like the stock or not. It came public as you know last week. Now, are.
0: Why diversify at all in, in the car sector? I mean, if you've got a sector for cars, autos, why even bother with the other ones? Why not just all Tesla?
1: You know, my clients ask me that all the time. You know, in the, F- <laughs> in the FFND thing, I, you know, I'll respond to people on DM, especially if they own our, our, uh, our fund. They ask me all the time. And, and I've got one person who says to me, why don't you just announce that you're going to 30% Tesla in your portfolio? Because right now it's about nine. So look, I didn't grow up that way. I believe in high conviction investing. Like if you really believe in something, you should, you know, you should you should own a lot of it. Here's the problem. And Ron Barron brought it up, one of the big shareholders. What if something happens to Elon tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a he's a very open guy. I'm sure he doesn't have, you know, tons of bodyguards around. I'm sure his health is probably good, but like me, he, he probably works a lot. And so the problem is, if Elon, if something ever happened to him, the stock would go down by at least a third. And you can't say that about the other mid caps, multi-caps, yeah. uh, mega-caps. Right? You know, sure. you, you maybe could say it with Facebook, with Mark Zuckerberg, but I don't uh, think it would go down by a third.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, might, might not as lot. much as Elon. <laughs> People don't like Zuck.
1: You <laughs> right. can't say that about Amazon. You can't say it about Google. You can't say it about Microsoft. You can't say it about Apple. We're, something to happen tomorrow? Stock would yeah, Bezos up. stepped we, back. We,
0: we already have Bezos
1: basically out. <laughs> so the Tesla, if Elon ever, something ever happened to him, this would be a great short controversy, if you will. Um, I would bet the stock would go down by a third. And that's that's the wow. kind of hard thing. Would you agree or no? Uh,
0: I mean, maybe maybe like reactionary, right? Reactionary. Um, maybe, maybe shaped. 10 to 15 percent off longer term yeah i could i could see that
1: yeah sure so that's why it's hard to go higher but you're right is it a winner take all game no at some point if you ever go to well, you're out in california right kelly yep okay you go out in la or san fran everybody's driving a tesla you know it's not like here in chicago where you don't see that many but, but where you got where you are there's so many teslas out there and at some point it's not that it's not cool anymore People want to be different. And so it's not a winner-take-all business. And so you're always going to have a number two number three. That's actually the best question in my mind. Who's going to be number two?
0: Exactly. That's where Lucid seemed like they had some promise, but you're actually thinking that Rivian has much more promise. I think,
1: you know, the problem problem with Lucid is it's um, it's these luxury sedans. And while you you can leverage that into trucks and into SUVs, it's late because a lot more competition is in trucks and SUVs now, okay? Just think about it. You're gonna have Cybertruck in the truck business. Everybody's got a EV SUV now. But I just right. think it's gonna be harder to do that. I think where Rivian is standing, be you just see where, where Rivian's uh, market cap actually comes for supposed. it's it's supposed to be higher. Okay? It's supposed to be 60 billion, and I think it'll stay higher. But if you if you track these, and we'll come back a year from now and see where we are, I'll bet you Rivian will have rate selling truck, Selling has to be, they're in the right price segment, you know, 60, 70 grand. It's high end, but it's luxury. They, they can always go down. They can always go down and have a basic version of that for thirty or forty grand. It's like Tesla did going from Model S to Model Three. With, um, Lucid, Lucid started up at one hundred seventy thousand dollars, and yeah. once they have the uh, Lucid um, Air, I guess it is, it's in the, like, yeah. the ninety range.
0: From Dream to Air, I think yeah. they going down. Yeah.
1: I just don't. I don't see that as being a huge market if you look at luxury sedans it's only about five or six percent of the market it's not a big it's not a big number
0: interesting yeah i mean that's that's a good point uh maybe maybe they're trying to follow that sort of tesla like start with the luxury model ass but but like you say now you've got that competition tesla didn't have that competition uh so well, that's that's a very good point was, okay so
1: Lucid, lucid's at 60 billion today market cap so it'd be very interesting to see a year from now who's got a bigger market cap
0: It's a good point what about, uh, the, you even mentioned them, uh, Neo and XP uh, XPeng Motors. Do uh, uh, you invest in these? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: why? There's too much competition. I mean, there's so much competition that, you know, the Chinese government is encouraging everybody to go EV. I mean, the thing that knocked me, knocked my socks off the last couple of weeks that I think was a big reason why Tesla started running, it's been running since the uh, second quarter earnings, was the September, um. EV numbers, I saw EV percentage, EV adoption in China for September was 17.5%. A year ago, it was five. Yeah. And everybody is playing in the EV space, and they're dedicated players, right? You got Neo, you got XBEV, you got Li, you got BYD, you got four big players, plus you got all the German company and you got Tesla all bringing EVs up. which is very, very competitive. And I worry that. Wow. The
0: melting it, pot of cars is in China, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and the competition is intense. When you look at XP, they're bringing out $25,000 vehicles already. And they have, you know, if you look at, they're not making money, but if you look at, like, the autonomy that they have, they have level four autonomy already. Okay. And they're putting them on $30,000 cars. So it's a very competitive environment. It's hard for me to invest in something that competitive. In the U.S., other than Tesla, it's Kabuki theater, right? They're all pretending, but it's, there's nobody there that, that can, that really can compete with Tesla yet, except maybe Lucid, except maybe uh, Rivian. You know, i tell say that the one who probably has the best chance of, of competing with Tesla is Volkswagen. That's just, okay. her piece seems to be very focused on it. And look, we, we, have an, we have a, um, a great um, analogy. It's the cell phone business. When When Apple brought out its smartphone and you had everybody, including myself, using a Blackberry, I had a Blackberry, Motorola or a Nokia, okay? And Apple brought out its its smartphone, it just put those guys literally out of business, right? Because it was so much a superior product. And you just you don't see any competitor matching Tesla in the near term in the US. You know, which is still besides China the biggest market.
0: Now, what about, uh, you know, Tesla's obviously in, in the solar space to some limited degree. Uh, do you invest in any any of the, uh, like the Enphase, the Solar Edge, the Sunrun, any of the other uh, energy competitors?
1: We have Enphase. We like Enphase. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have gotten Tesla solar roofs. They love them. I mean, they think they're great. I still think there's some logistical issues. They don't, you know, they seem to wait a long time. There seems to be I don't say installation issues, but installation delays and policing yeah. issues. So they still don't make money on the business. They no. will. In fact, in my model for 2025, I have them making a little bit of money by 2025. But compared to the EV business, it, it's, it's like a net, it's like a, you know, it's, it's minuscule. Yeah. So yeah, we like Enphase, we do play solar energy with Enphase, we think Enphase is the best operator and uh it's now probably the 15th maybe 20th largest position on our fund. So
0: we like absolutely it. I right i'm big big bull on nphase as well so that's that's awesome um, california.
1: i mean there's so many people that are you know investing in solar roofs because it's it's really important out in california where in chicago it's just not that big a deal it's too cold
0: hmm. gotcha what uh what do you see about uh tesla in the event uh, and i see this question coming up here regularly uh, folks wondering about a split i think there's a lot of enthusiasm around stock splits and that maybe it'll run again like it did the last time uh, you know running up to the split and uh, then it kind of sold off uh, after the split but uh, what what's your take on that you know nvidia just recently exploded after their split but but they've also been just killing it
1: so um,
0: any thoughts there it'll happen
1: um we had a split last august and the uh, stock split five for one. It was announced on, I just put a piece out of this on Twitter if you, you want to look at it. A couple days ago, I think over the weekend. A uh, stock was at 1374 when they announced it on August 11th. Um, it split five for one, so do the math, that's 275. By August 31st, which is the split effective date when it went five to one, it was up 80% in those 20 days. And there's a reason for this. And everybody says, well, it's like taking um, a pizza pie and splitting it into eight slices. Is it worth more? And the answer is yes, in New York. If you've ever lived in New York, and you try to sell by the slice, you can get a lot more for your pie than you can if you sell pies. That's just the way it works because there's some people who just want a slice and they don't want to pay you know, $20 for a pie. But they're willing to pay $4 for a big slice. And you get eight of them. So. The point is, there's definitely value added in the sense that there's a there's a management when they do a stock split, and there's empirical studies that show this have more confidence in their business. It's a, almost like self-selection; those who do splits believe so much better. Because no CEO wants to split their stock if they feel bad about their business, because and it drops from there, right? Just think about that. And so Tesla split their stock last year five to one, and I had all these arguments with the bears that this is managed being very confident. Go forward to this year. And I don't, I don't know if it's gonna happen because Elon's now the richest man in the world. And there's a lot of political noise about that. Oh yeah. and I don't know if he wants to even call more attention to how much money he has. He's <laughs> splitting the stock. Look, he's, he's gonna call attention to himself no matter what because Tesla's gonna continue to go up from here. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. We can talk more about the gamma squeeze that's been happening. Um, but I do think they're gonna do another split. Yesterday, I did it 1374, we're at 1200 today. And so the board, you know, boards meet usually once a month today, either by person, usually it's not anymore, usually it's by phone or video conference. The next board meeting will probably be in November. Usually it's the second week of the month. And how do I know that? Because it, it's, it's it's consistent with the earnings cadence, for earnings come out the third week of the month. So the board has to review the, the documents, the materials, they get approved. Um, the audit committee blessed them. Uh, Zach and Elon have to sign them as part of the process. But my guess is there's a board meeting uh, in November, and they'll probably consider it. Uh, whether or not it happens, I don't know. But if they don't do it in November, they probably have to wait until February. But I wouldn't be surprised to see another split, four for one or five to one, in the next six months.
0: Wow. Uh, and then uh, do you think that could lead to uh, uh, another push like you saw that last time?
1: I don't know. 80% was too much. I mean, that... Yeah. And, and I'm, look, I'm, I still believe the stock is worth at least 1400 So to me, 1200 does not give me no. That said, the stock is up, you know, 40% in a month. After lagging all year, and then it suddenly just took off. And it took off, literally it started with the second quarter print. And then the third quarter deliveries came out October 1st. Then the China numbers came out October 9th. And then the earnings came out, whatever, October 26th. It's been up every single week. And then you got, you know, retail investors in, and look, I'm not sure who's who's engineering this gamma squeeze, which we could talk about. It's quite incredible to watch every day. But I think the retail investors are buying it at the same time that you got institutional PMs falling out of love with Amazon and Apple and Facebook saying, I got to own something, right? And Tesla looks pretty good and it's moving a lot, so I got to own it, you know? And I used to be underweighted, so now I've got to go to market weighted. And then you got the hedge funds. They're saying, hey, there's money here own tesla we can create a gamma squeeze make the market makers pay up because they got to be hedged. so you know this is all feeding into itself which it's almost like a perfect storm for the bulls
0: yeah so so tell me about that a little bit is it then possible that a lot of people uh, whether they're institutions or individuals had these massively out of the money call options, you know, it's Tesla's at six, 700 and people are buying these twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, dollars calls for 22, 23, whatever. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're coming in the money. So, uh, you know, the folks taking the other side or are, are having to hedge and, and, and that's what's actually squeezing this price up. Do you, How much of an impact do you actually think this, this uh, gamma squeeze is having on the price action here? Is this just like you say, institutions catching up? Uh, is it is it a little bit of everything? You know, retail coming in, institutions coming in, the gamma squeeze. What percentage would you assign to the gamma squeeze?
1: Don't know. But you know, unlike GameStop, where I can't come up with, you know, it's maybe it's worth forty bucks. I don't know what it's worth, but it's not worth one hundred and eighty. Okay, Tesla has got fundamental underpinning. It's got a value that's worth it. using real numbers, real forecast, real math. Fourteen hundred dollars in my mind. And any portfolio manager could do exactly what you and I do. It would take yes. an hour. To say, okay, here's SAR, here's EV adoption, here's EV share, here's ASB, here's the margin. Put a tax effect on it, come up with an earnings per share. It's not that hard. And so you can come up with, to your point, you know, somewhere between 1,200, 1,400, maybe it's a, just looking at the EV business, not putting any value on robo which yes. is the whole, you know, like ARC has, half their value is based on robo which I just don't see that. But if I'm coming up with $1,400, I got that as an underpinning. And an institutional portfolio manager at Fidelity or Capital or, you know, any of these hero price, they can come up with a number, and that's why they'll buy it and say, okay, I'm underweight. It's worked, but now it's not working anymore, so I better go at least a market weight. So that's one factor. Second factor is I got all these catalysts happening. I got, you know, the, the factories. I got two factories coming online with basically double capacity. If you try to yeah. buy a test, you go online and try to buy it, you got to wait six months for the... You know the model Y or the model 3, literally. So you got that factor. You got the EV credit. S&P upgraded their debt to one notch below investment grade last week. It'll go to investment grade after fourth quarter. There's no way it's not going to be investment grade because they're covering their interest expense 18 to 20 times. Yeah,
0: what do we get like BB plus or something like that, right? And we got to get to below. the triple.
1: It's one grade below. And yeah, it, if, if this was not Tesla with the history of Tesla, where it almost went bankrupt in you know 2018. This thing would be investment grade the, the metrics would be investment grade the bonds trade as if it's investment grade yeah we got that catalyst so you got doubling the capacity you got people leapfrogging over each other to raise estimates you got the ev credit which will probably get passed december 1st and then in, in the 1.75 trillion dollar house bill it's in there for eight thousand. 000 there's all this fight about uh if you're unionized you get additional the
0: unions the yeah
1: don't worry about that because i don't think that's going to that's going to survive Although Elon did call Biden a union puppet today, which was pretty funny. Um, and then I got the Cybertruck, and the Cybertruck isn't even out yet. And the Cybertruck, I don't know how many pre-orders are. Some people say it's a million, some people say it's two million. Well, it can't really make more than about 250000 a year at Austin. And some of these right. are never going to mature us. But that's a huge number, right? If you, yeah. if you're not really cannibalizing your other part. I've got a Cybertruck on order. But i'm not going to get rid of my model y i use the truck for different purposes i use my model y okay so my punchline is you've got this underpinning valuation worth 1400 and then you throw the retail investor who's got newfound power okay on reddit or wall street bets and they're all talking about you know what stocks they want to own and they're all betting on tesla and then i got the whole hedge fund world saying hey this is interesting buy it. Best. i can really make some money here by just Buying up lots of options, and the poor market makers—let's say poor—but you know, they're Citadel, they're Susquehanna, they're Goldman Sachs—they have to be delta neutral, which just means that when you look at the delta, okay. So, for an option, it's it's how much for a dollar movement in the stock, how much does the option move by. So when they, when when a retail investor or a hedge fund—they don't know who it is—they want to buy an option, the market makers are selling the option to them but they have to be delta neutral. So they have these options worth something. They have to buy an equivalent amount of stock to be delta neutral. And then what happens is that that's all taken care of. And then the stock starts going up and it'll start going up tomorrow morning. You watch it, 4 o'clock in the morning. And the positions they put on yesterday, the delta will be higher. So they gotta go back and say, okay, because now the delta's gone from 0.4 to 0.6 because 1300 now is getting close to being struck, right? they got to hedge more than what they did yesterday. And that's yep. the gamma squeeze. And so if you think about gamma, it's, it's the first derivative of Delta. So Delta is the amount of change on the stock for a dollar worth of stock. That's how much Delta is, okay? So 0.6 would mean stock raised by a dollar, the option goes up 60 cents. The gamma is the slope of the Delta, the change in the Delta, right? And you can look it up on TD or Schwab. You can see what the gamma is. Sure. But as the Delta continues to go up, the gamma starts exploding. And anybody who's ever sold calls, and I have a couple of clients I sell calls for, we stay out in the market, you know, when we think there's a cow catalyst coming or earnings are coming or volumes are coming. We try to, like, do it when there's nothing happening.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Buy when volatility is a little lower. <laughs>
1: well, but, but whenever you sell calls, you can watch the deltas start creeping up. And when they get too close, you know, and, and, the, and the stock price gets too, too, too close to where I sold the calls off of, you know, I could sell you know, 1,350, 1,400 calls now to get a, get a good return for one week, yeah. okay? You got to yep. go in and you have to cover. And that's what the market makers are doing. The market makers are covering, and they have to go back in time and say, okay, all these positions we put on last week, we have to move them up. We have to, we have to cover them because the Delta has moved up. And that's creating this gamma squeeze. How much is it worth? I don't know, but it's a big chunk of it. And, you know, I saw what happened with GameStop. I never tried to short GameStop. Or amc because that gamma squeeze will just, it'll, it'll bite you in the ass if you're trying to
0: yeah it and w- what i found as well what's so interesting about it, just investing in general is look maybe the gamma squeeze is is a third of all the activity right that that would be a very big weight that'd be a massive weight but let's just make the example that the gamma squeeze only makes up five percent of the volume just the fact that it exists and people are talking about the Gamma Squeeze, could be enough of that dangling carrot for the institutions and retailers to hold on and keep buying.
1: <laughs> right, right, exactly. And see, one of the things you can look at is the volume of Tesla normally is 20 million shares a day. Today it traded 55 million shares. Yeah, There's, that's well, it, and, you know, everybody wants to blame the retail investor for chasing it. This, isn't, it, it, this has the power, the retail investors don't have this much power. Hedge funds yeah. have $3 trillion. And I'm telling you, I saw it with GameStop. GameStop, you saw the stock would like go up 100% one day and then fall 60% the next day. I am certain that a lot of the source of this gamma squeeze is hedge funds to say, hey, we could make some money here. You know, oh, yes. running it up in the morning, selling it out the afternoon. You watch today, the stock ran up so much at the open and then it fell and then it zoomed up at the end. You know, it's like every day, it's like, a, it's like watching a roller coaster. So, yeah, uh, I believe well, gamma- So
0: on that note though, at some point, uh, Tesla's, uh, euphoria will wane when the euphoria wanes again, uh, this, this gamma squeeze will wane and then the rationale behind it and the actual act of it will wane. Uh, is, is it not then possible that you're going to get some of these traders rotating out of Tesla and we could see some more affordable prices here for Tesla? I guess the big question is how much will it run before then? <laughs> right?
1: It's hard to know. Like I said, I have a $1,400 price target, which I just went to last week, I was at 12. In two years, I've never lowered my price target. Okay. Um, and look, the trick is when you get new information, you raise the price target. My new information yep. from last week was EV adoption globally, it was way higher for third quarter than I thought it was. And that's what caused me, and I always try to lay out why I raised my price target. That's what caused me to raise the price target. So, I think you're right. Every institutional portfolio manager is like me, right? They try to get into a stock when there's like two to one upside downside, they call it risk reward, it should be called reward to risk, but two, two times upside for one downside, that's the usual rule of thumb. And then they start peeling it back, trimming it, when it gets down about half the time, half half times upside downside. Okay, so Tesla's at uh, 1200, maybe you got 100 of upside, you got 200 of downside, that's one half. Okay. Mm. So you are going to see people at some point say, this is too rich. But having done this now for a couple of years, um, and having been an investor for 30 years of my life, you know, upside downside targets work. If you're disciplined about them, you can make money. Mark, you know, everybody kind of kids that they don't have a, a, a discipline. Sure they do. Every time the, the Jessica gets way above 10%, she, she cuts it back. That's yeah. selling high, buying low, selling high. So she's very disciplined. Mark is. Yeah. So, I, I
0: admire it. I think it's great. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I yeah. think you get you get some folks who are like, "Oh, she's you know selling Tesla. She must have lost enthusiasm." I think these are just people who misunderstand how funds work. <laughs> it's not right. even worth really talking it's, about.
1: So institutions will, which so seventy percent of Tesla, stock, Yeah, will start trimming once it reaches their price target, even gets closer to their price target. Sure. And, and you know, look, as a growth investor, you try not to get it early. But you know, you have to start being disciplined and peel back. And look, I look at it as, once the analysts have baked in all the catalysts into the stock price, so they've taken the estimates up, if they get close to my estimates in 2022, which again is 12 bucks, then it's time for me to start peeling back. Yeah. So an example, well, awesome. last, last year, we can talk about what would make Tesla go down. That's kind of the root of your question. We got off of Tesla in, uh, late January, early February, when it hit 880, we go up at 870, we exited the position. And we exited the position because it had gotten close to our price. Chart. I think our price target at the time was about 960. Yeah, you sold for two months. We did. And we got out because one, they wouldn't give any guidance. This is when they were basically going from, they guided every year, that they said, we're gonna grow at 50% long-term. And I thought that was a red flag. Um, the fourth quarter call was not good at all. And they bought Bitcoin. And look, one of, we could talk about whether that was good or bad. That's not the point. But an institutional portfolio manager looks at it as, you know, they, they want you to reinvest the cash in your core business. core business is building new gigafactories. And they have huge ROIs when you build new gigafactories. Sure. Calculate. Buying Bitcoin is something, I could do that myself, right? It's like buying art or buying gold. It's like, why do I want you to put your money in Bitcoin? Yeah, Yeah. I got comfortable with it because the stock fell. We got off at 870 and the stock got down to 620. We got back in because then my risk reward was back to like two times. But at 870, it was like a half. So anyway, long story short, institutional PMs want to make sure that the the cash reinvestment, as they call it, the marginal return on on investment, is going to be positive. It's going to exceed the cost of capital. The cost of capital, if you want to look at equity only, is about 11.6%. So that's why people, when they heard about that Bitcoin investment, like, what are you doing? We could do that ourselves. Just give the money back to us. What, what, what do you want this to be like? Microstrategy or a stock totally dependent on Bitcoin?
0: The Michael Saylor approach. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's crazy. yeah it's, I mean, it's not what people are putting money in. people want to build, you know, 10 gigafactories over the next 10 years. Now, they don't want to put it in Bitcoin. They could do that themselves. So anyway, that's one of the things that as long as Bitcoin stays small, it's a billion three of it as a billion three of their trillion dollar valuation it's minuscule but if if, if that if that bitcoin investment went to zero tomorrow it's a dollar off the stock price
0: right yeah that's a good point it's not a big deal yeah microstrategy i think they hold somewhere around seven and a half billion in bitcoin and um their market cap is about seven and a half so the market has basically said the company is worthless you're just investing in the bitcoin
1: (laughs) And it's interesting to me, since Michael, I listen to him, he's on CNBC today. Yeah. Anytime he says, you know, corporate America, and I used to be in corporate America, is going to buy Bitcoin, I just shake my head and say, they're never going to go into Bitcoin because it's drilled into you as a CFO and as a corporate treasurer. You invest in the business, and what's left, you give it back to the show. If you've got excess yeah. money after all the things you need to grow your business, so all the gigafactories, which is where they should put the money, you pay down debt, you buy back stock or you pay out dividends. I don't think Tesla should pay out dividends because that really restricts you. It's very rigid. But if they wanted to buy back stock whenever it got hit, I think that would be a good use of cash. I would rather them pay down debt for now. They have about um, $8 billion worth of debt, which is minuscule. They could get rid of all their debt, get to the investment grade rating. And I think that's good because there's a lot of mutual funds that can't own stocks with a junk uh, bond rating. So that's what I would do. I would basically pay down debt with their cash that they don't need for gigafactories. And then they could buy back stock opportunistically if it gets hammered because, you know, the China first month, of the quarter numbers are always bad because they, bad meaning, this is what the media says they're bad, because they export out a lot. So the domestic number, which is residual, always looks weak. And they get media saying, oh, China demand is falling, which is what they said back in July. It's what they say every month first month of every quarter. And I'll probably say it in November, because my my bet is you're going to see a big drop from uh, October, which will be reported November 9th. That's the first month of the fourth quarter. You'll see a big drop from September where the number was a record. But hopefully, investors have learned the way this works, that the first month of the quarter, they export out. Second month of the quarter, they export out about a half. The third month's all domestic. But that first month, you satisfy the exports first. So that's something that can happen, that could make the stock of them. A bad, what would be a bad investment of the cash? Building restaurants would be a bad use of the cash, okay? Let Starbucks or McDonald's pay for the right to sell food at your charging stations. Don't go build your own restaurants. You don't know how to build restaurants. You know, I I know that Elon's brother builds restaurants, but it's just not your core competence. It's not why I own Tesla. It's not why any institutional manager owns Tesla.
0: Yeah, and, and, and restaurants are a notoriously dangerous uh, business in general. So you mentioned crypto, you brought it up. Do you own crypto? And uh, what do you think about
1: it? Look, I don't own it because I can't value it. Yeah. I, can't, I can't using any kind of, you know, discounted cash flow, no. discounted earnings, comparable I can't using any of the traditional evaluation methods I use for 30 but years. But
0: Jerry, you don't need any of that stuff. You just know somebody's gonna pay you more tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Greater fool theory. When the music the music stops, you gotta be in the seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have friends of mine, I have people in my family who own crypto, you know, and I think, look, you do what you want, I'm not gonna own it. But I don't need to. I can I can look at the Russell three thousand all day long, come up with great names that I think can double over the next five years. I don't need to okay, give them. me some of those. Uh, I just gave you one Celsius. is a great name. Spotify is a great name. Uh, Airbnb is another great name. I think Snap. Snap's gotten crushed um, because people think, yeah. you know, you, they, they can't figure out the algorithm, you know, for, for the new iPhone.
0: Uh, the Apple 5. thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, they'll figure it out. Um, TTV is another one, you know, they, they, Trade Desk. They, Trade Desk. Um, they can figure out, you know, ways around the iPhone code where they can like group things together, group um, people together. They don't have to know that the specific uh, people, they can just look at it as population. They have algorithms that can get around it and convince advertisers. It's not its not about that the advertising doesn't work on a snap or you know, uh, even Twitter's a good example. Um, it's just they don't have the tools to measure it, measure the ROI, which they need to develop. So that's the right. thing about First-party tool versus
0: third-party Yeah, but that's I mean, simple. like ROI measurement in ads is the easiest way to sell more ads.
1: <laughs> if you can, it's conventional. I mean, that's it, when I used to work. I used to be a brand manager at J and J. You know, we would do it using surveys. I mean, you can you can measure ROI, but you can't use it. You know, using your phone anymore.
0: Ah, I see. Okay.
1: Okay. But we'll figure out ways to do it. So we like that. We like Etsy. Um, oh, we hey, like that. that's
0: one of mine too. Nice. What about Pinterest?
1: You no know, Pinterest, I struggle with I, I just don't yeah. know if it's if it has lasting power. Yeah, it's I agree. Like a snap or uh, you know, Twitter has. We don't own Twitter anymore. We used to. Twitter is different because it's mostly brands. OK, so like mm. you will advertise on it. United Airlines will advertise on it. They don't need to be able to capture everybody's individual data, which is big brands. Yeah. So Twitter's probably fine. Snap is the one we own. Uh, we think it'll be fine long term.
0: Okay. Wow. That was interesting. Um, okay. So now I want to ask you macro. Elon Musk responded to, uh, Jack Dorsey and Kathy Wood and all of them kind of arguing on their own pedestals about inflation. Jack Dorsey says hyperinflation is coming. Elon Musk says he sees costs, uh, pressures going up. Kathy Wood saying the velocity of money is down, so money circulating less, therefore pulling uh, inflation down. And uh, we also know that every manufacturer is double, triple ordering right now. As soon as uh, this double, triple ordering stops, we clear up these supply backlogs, we could be in a deflationary environment. I want to know where, where your
1: head is on, on this. I view inflation as being transitory. You, know, you look okay. back at every time we've had one of these um, epidemics and they don't look just at the U S what you see is the government um, really creates a lot more uh, money So the, the fed, you know, the, the, the fed will put out lots of very easy money policy, monetary policy. You see, there's a lot of fiscal stimulus. Because you're trying to offset the fact that the economy closed down while the epidemic was raging and you can go back 70 years and you can see that this happens every time usually what happens afterward is you get a lot of fiscal stimulus hold on you get a lot of fiscal stimulus and you get easy money for you know a year or so and you get this temporary inflation and the temporary inflation is because you get a lot of shortages you can't today you can't get enough help You you talk to restaurant owners, they're trying to hire people at $20 an hour and they can't do it. They operate with limited hours. Um, And that causes transfer inflation. But like, if you were to go talk to an Uber driver today, okay, now all of a sudden, there's a ton of Uber drivers out there and the Uber fees are coming down, okay? You're gonna see that with all kinds of commodities, Get more supply because it's more profitable for folks to make stuff. You're going to see the supply shortages ease over time. I don't know if it's going to be six months, diamonds, whatever, but they will ease. They will be transitory. You'll have inflation come down. So I'm not buying the argument that this, what what what, um, Powell did call transitory inflation, has now somehow turned into secular inflation. Not buying.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think yeah, it, it just right. it seems She's like saying. the. Uh, Hilting point has just been delayed a little bit. Yeah. Sort of peak inflation. And,
1: and now you got this risk that you got governments, particularly in Europe, because Europeans sometimes do they, they worry more about inflation than we do, right? Because of the hyperinflation had after World War Two. You have the risk that people start really being restrictive in their fiscal policy or their monetary policy. And to your point, that pushes us into a deflationary type <laughs> cycle because you've got too many goods. And there's no more shortages. There's just too much supply. Now, I believe that you've got Yellen, who's a dove. You know, she's a dove from when she was running the Fed. Powell's a dove, and you still probably have the majority of Fed members who are dovish. Okay, so I don't think Powell will make the same mistake. I think Powell's going to remain dovish. They will start tapering. Which remember, tapering is just taking away the punch bowl. Okay, so if the punch bowl is being replenished at 120 billion dollars a month. Okay. Yes, yes. Now they say we're not gonna put 120 billion out this month, which means they're buying bonds, okay, so they're pushing long term interest rates down. We're gonna do hundred and five next month, and then we're gonna do ninety the following month, and then we're gonna do seventy five the following month, and over time the punch bowl stops being replenished because everything's fine again. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think is gonna happen. And look, if, if we start seeing bad data, like let's suppose GDP, which you know, right now it's say four ish, goes to two or one. Yeah. I don't think they stay. OK, you know what? Let's stop the, the taper and let's keep the punch bowl where it is, at, wherever it is, 60 billion a month. And so right. we're not raising interest rates. Not Nobody's talking about raising interest rates until late 2022. Right. But I do worry that you get so many people who are screaming inflation, 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 because they're looking at where it is today. And yes. There's, yes. There's, there's no perspective of history here that every time you have one of these epidemics, you have massive fiscal policy, benefits, is they closed the economy for a while and they had massive monetary policy. And that stops, okay? And once it stops, you're gonna have more deflationary forces by definition. So I'm much more in the camp of deflation is still as much a risk as inflation. And then look, there's four things, this is the secular stuff that are driving deflation. Okay, one is you got global outsourcing. One is you got price transparency. One is you got automation and the fourth is demographics. People getting older, they're leaving the workforce. Um, those- What was sources, your third one?
0: Global price transparency, <laughs> uh, the last two Substitution,
1: substitution of, of, of uh, machines for labor. Right, price right, efficiency. right. Price transparency, you can see what every price is, so it makes everything real competitive. Global, global sourcing, you can get the cheapest goods possible, whether you're Nike or Lulu or anybody. And in demographics, people get older, they leave the workforce, and they don't spend as much. They don't have as much income. That's deflationary. You see, that's that's what really happened in Japan. That's why Japan's um, inflation went to zero. And you're seeing that all over the world. Yeah. So I've got those forces that are secular, and then I have this temporary inflationary stuff, which is because of COVID, and now this massive stimulus. But, you know, I, I, I look at that as being temporary, and this will all take care of itself once people start producing goods again. And once people run out of benefits, they have to go back to work. But, yeah. Well, I don't want to stay home and day trade not everybody can stay home and
0: day trade I see yeah so yeah I mean I, I agree with you as well when you say uh inflation might be so evident now because uh, to and such a fear for folks because it is so evident now we're seeing it happening right now it's kind of like pain is always the most painful while you're in pain but your memory of it or your expectation of it is is never as bad uh so uh, I agree with you uh and uh, I. I don't think you'd probably be the right person to ask if you think crypto is going to crash when we start heading towards deflation. <laughs> you
1: know, I've been, I've been thinking crypto is going to crash. Well, it almost crashed back in uh, July. It went to 29. Yeah. But I can't I can't figure out a way how to value it. And I've done on Twitter, and I've found a lot of bars. They tell me how you value it. And people do what you do. They say, well, it's going up. You just sell it to somebody else. And let's not tell me how to value it. You know, um, <laughs> that's $3. all we got, man. That's all I got. Ray is here. It's like a network effect. So you have to calculate the value of yeah. the network, and you can put a value based on how many people are in the network. And that sounds plausible. So I'm not yeah. predicting it's going to crash. I've come to grips with Tesla's going to hold some, as long as it doesn't grow. I'm I'm fine with it. It's, again, if Tesla, if, if tesla's Bitcoin investment went to zero, you'd have to knock the dollar up the, the share price, not off earnings. Yeah. It's worth a buck. Out of, you know, $1,200, it's,
0: it's, it's the same thing. Like you said, if you include energy or insurance, it's like a few dollars of the share price, like nobody cares.
1: <laughs> or even like robo Robotaxi robo is probably the most divisive topic. Yes. Because, you know, Tesla has an advantage. You know, they've got 2 million cars running around collecting data. You know, they can feed into the, you know, the dojo dojo can like look at all these different scenarios and say you know in this situation this is what you should do based on you know what, what what cars are coming and where you are in the world and you could you could have like a you know this 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 AI driven machine driven um, network that basically can drive all these cars all over the place fine I get that the problem is that you know a lot of the equipment was designed back, you know, for 2016, 2017 type hardware, and a lot of the, especially the Chinese um, autonomous vehicles, you know, they're spending a lot more per vehicle on hardware than Tesla is. So they might have, where where Tesla might have, you know, eight cameras, okay, or you know, um, but no lidar, no radar anymore. You know, the the Chinese EV makers might have 12, three lidars and one radar. And so they don't have the Dojo network, they don't have like the AI that Tesla has, but they're doing okay. And I use your state of California as a good example. There are eight players now been approved for autonomous vehicle testing. Tesla, I would think would like to be approved for testing, but they're not. And to be approved for testing, if you read the fine print, it says you've gotta be level three or level four. And they're not yet, okay? Because there's still too many interventions. So I'm not saying that it's a bad EV stock. What I'm predicting is, You'll see, uh, just like when you used to buy a car, you could have a base stereo, you could have premium stereo. And I'm not saying Tesla's the base, but you could have two levels of um, autonomy. One that's more of a commercial-grade autonomy and one that's more consumer-grade autonomy. Hmm. So I think for robo taxi, which is commercial, you're gonna have cars that might be you know, much more expensive. The people buy, they're equipped with all kinds of stuff in it to make sure that they can drive autonomously, including Lidar RAID, or more cameras, whatever. And I think unless Tesla wants to do that, it's going to be hard for them
0: to so. Interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. So, so what you're saying is we might see this, you might, for example, buy the Model X full self-driving, but in the future, uh, you might have to add on uh, the commercial package to make you legal for California standards to sign up for Uber or whatever,
1: right? Maybe. maybe. And look, I used to... I used to drive porches it was a Bose stereo, which is pretty good. Porsche charges for everything, like two grand extra. You'd have the base yeah. stereo, you pay two for Bose, you'd get a Burmeister for seven. <laughs> and the Burmeister was like, you get the car, you could sit there all day and listen to it. I'm just saying autonomy is one of those things that you could add all kinds of hardware to make it better. And I'm not an engineer and everybody always goes, Well, you're not an engineer, you don't know anything. Yeah, that's true. But I look at what a lot of the competitors are doing. A lot of the competitors are putting a lot more money into their hardware than Tesla is right now. and So all I'm saying is, it's not a fait accompli. The Tesla gets to the finish line first because once they get their um, um, FSD to work perfectly, because they're bringing all this information in, all they do is flip a switch, and voila, they have instant distribution. that okay? whereas nobody else has that. Yeah. So. I'm saying Tesla will probably get there by 2025, but I think a lot of people are going to get there by 2025.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, I, I mean, personally, I think all Tesla really needs to do is throw on forward-facing lidar. My opinion, Don't because say the that. big you're thing gonna
1: have, you're going to have hate mail when I that, say like, you're going to have hate mail when I mean, you say that. Okay. <laughs> Trust me, because Elon hates lidar. He just thinks it's the I mean, an investment. That's what he says. I, I, it's true. I,
0: I I guess maybe, I I don't know. I mean, maybe I will. Uh, I've, I've, I've mentioned that a few times on this channel. So maybe I'm a little bit more callous to, to saying that. But uh, you look at a, a company like uh, Microvision. Tesla could buy them. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fraction of, uh, I mean, what, what's Microvision now? I mean, it can't be that expensive. But anyway, you buy Microvision. You have forward-facing LiDAR. It's just not that hard. Throw it into the rearview mirror console. It's a $1.3 billion company. It's It's nothing.
1: And they may do that. and I wouldn't be surprised because I think what don't people don't appreciate, especially in China, they're putting a lot of money into their autonomy, and yeah. a lot of them are level four already, even the cheaper ones. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to force Tesla to have to spend more on their autonomy hardware.
0: I see. I agree with you on that. Uh, see, like even uh, Nvidia. See, I- I- NVIDIA has written on their blogs. I have this written down here. NVIDIA has long recognized that LiDAR is a crucial component to an autonomous vehicle's perception. It's kind of interesting because I-, I really like NVIDIA and I-, I believe and trust them. So I do think this is a little bit of a blind spot by Elon. But again, I'm also not an engineer.
1: Well, and when they made the decision not to use LiDAR, LiDAR was very expensive at the time. Yeah. Wow. You could buy a LiDAR. And the
0: spinning wheels, yeah, and it's, it's ugly.
1: Now, they don't have that anymore. They're like little, you know, little, I don't know, they yep. the size of an iPhone, okay? But they're like $500 for LiDAR. It's not like $10,000. They really do yeah. So, look, I don't know the answer. I just think, to put, you know, let's suppose you have a $3,000 price target on Tesla without naming names, of which 1,500 comes from EVs and 1,500 comes from RoboTaxi, where you're saying, you know, if you take every one of these, ro- supply, supply-driven model. Every one of these robo taxis, number of hours per day, um, number of cents per mile, number of miles per hour, number of cents per mile. Here's the math. That's a supply-driven model as opposed to demand model is what's going to be demand for, you know, autonomy and working into that. And look, if I'm Uber or um, Lyft, I'm not just going to give up. I'm not just going to let you know, Tesla come in and take my business. And that right. would, it wouldn't surprise me to see more like subscription models that you have with cable where, you know, you pay some monthly rate. And you can use it all the time because you're not now,
0: a driver. I could talking that. about giving up. Why do you think uh, Lyft and Uber shut down their self or sold off their self-driving segment?
1: But they're using, they're using other players. They're investing in um, third-party um, autonomy units. And that's that's what I think. I don't think they thought they could do it themselves. I think they were better off pitching their wagon to other autonomous. Or, or
0: do you think... To- um, they're gonna go for like the Hertz model where Hertz is uh, renting these things, uh, maybe full self-driving individual customers, rent them from Hertz. And, and, and then and then Tesla has the full self-driving through that. So it's kind of like Uber's using Tesla.
1: See, you can't rent a Tesla today through Hertz that will drive you by itself. You still, it's a level two autonomous vehicle. Right, right. And you right. have to be, and look, you, you can watch all the YouTube videos. There's a lot of interventions. They're not yes. oh yeah where they're fully available. have you been in it yet, the full self driving? Sure. It's yeah, hard. It's hard for me to imagine because I'm looking at it today because every time I've been in it, I mean I have it I have an FSD car and it's it's like somebody said, Well what's it like? I said, Well, kinda like watching I hate to say this, but it felt to me like a drunk driver, you know, who's seventeen <laughs> years old. Yes. The first time I drove it, you know, because I got uh-huh. it on a couple weeks ago when I got it. And it it makes mistakes. Right? Yes. It doesn't do well with what they call unprotected less. When you're approaching an intersection, you don't have a light and you have to like go across two-way track. It doesn't do that well. It doesn't, um, it's not something that you could just kind of let it drive itself from point A to point B. Now, I don't know if there's anything that's like that, but all I'm saying is, it's you're a couple of years away from a level four, level five Tesla vehicle being put in a Hertz and they just push a button or they say it to her. into the air take me from here to there i just don't think here yet and so therefore and i can't figure out the pricing if you have a description model it's not going to be a dollar per mile as some people are assuming may not even be 25 cents a mile and you have a lot of players trying to do this and so all i'm saying is it's going to be competitive i'm not saying Tesla's not going to get there because they have the best engineers in the world working on this i'm just saying it's it's not a fate of complete that they're going to be the first to market with okay
0: so two competitors I want to ask you about uh and then uh then I'm going to uh we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up so I don't keep you all day. Uh Apple car and, and then I'll save the other name because you'll probably just laugh it off, but we're going to start with Apple car. Is this a risk? Do you even have a chance? Why haven't we seen this thing? Is this a joke? Are they just going to end up partnering with somebody like uh, uh a Lucid so that way uh you know Lucid's got the car, Apple's got the software, right? Like what is this?
1: I don't see apple doing much it's kind of like i don't see tesla making an iphone
0: yeah no. good point where <laughs> really they're poor competency i don't
1: i don't think apple will ever have a, a car that can rival Tesla. they'll try right but i think the, the short answer is they'll partner up with somebody they got more capital than anybody they can use their stock which is worth you know 2.8 trillion dollars or something and buy somebody for 50, yeah. or $50 billion dollars and that's the way they'll get into autonomy um i don't see them doing it themselves that's not their core competency That's not what they do so okay. i would okay. i wouldn't say it's a joke but I, and i'd say they'll try but i think they'll fall short and they'll wind up buying somebody
0: wow okay do you invest in apple i don't own
1: apple um okay. i wouldn't to be honest with you uh, let's just that. that's 2.5 trillion um Look, Apple's expensive the way I look at valuation. It's, wow. it's, it's. But I look at relative to growth. So I'm always yeah. about, if you think about a discounted kind of cash flow, there's only really four variables. There's earnings, there's the growth rate, there's the risk-free rate, and there's the beta. Okay. That's it. And Well, you market, use the beta.
0: That's I'm, for you to pick your discount rate. Other people pick it out of the air.
1: Okay, but I can look at it on Bloomberg and see this 1.6. Yeah. I'm looking at Bloomberg right now. Apple's growing their revenues at eight, 9%, okay, And it's trading right now at a 26 PE. So the way I look at the world, it's 26 divided by eight or nine. It's trading at about three times peg, which by the way, that's what the S&P trades at, 2.8, 2.9. Russell 1000 growth, which is the universe in which Tesla beats, uh, 22 peg is about 2.1, 2.2. You know where Tesla's trading at? One eight one nine, probably nine today. I haven't calculated, but it's probably one eight, one nine. Because they got 55% growth and they're trading at 100 times my estimate for 2022. That just off the top of my head is about 1.9. So Tesla still is cheap to me. Apple, I can't own it when it's got a 2.9 peg. I'd much rather own Google, which we own. Google's got about a one, Google's about the same as Tesla today. You know, it's got nice growth rate, You know, it's called 18, 16% revenue, 18 earnings. Um, And as of today, Google's at.
0: Yeah. I think Apple's just been killing right now because of uh, its growth here during the pandemic. But you're right, its growth rate. I mean, they're expecting 3.7% in 22,
1: 5.5, 23, 6.1, 24. Google's trading at 26 times, and it's growing at 16%. That's pretty good. Yeah. The, cheaper, yeah. the cheapest stock I look at in the mega cap space, mega cap to find is over 200 billion of Mark cap is Facebook. But Facebook has hair. You know, the whole metaverse, changing the brand. And I actually think that's a smart idea, you know,
0: the yeah.
1: Google approach. But I can't get excited about Facebook because people aren't using Facebook like they used to. They use WhatsApp, they use Instagram. But Facebook is, for lack of a better word, dying. The Facebook product and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't like Facebook either. I do, however, and this is not the other stock I wanted to ask you about. I do like Matterport. Now, don't let my, me saying that influence your thoughts on that. Have do you, you into Matterport at all? No, I haven't. No, Three, just 3D scanning real like uh, physical spaces, right? I, I see that as a potential bridge to almost metaverse, mostly because maybe because I'm from the real estate space, I'm um, a little bit biased towards <laughs> these 3D scans, but no, um, no I, I met- can't. My my vision of the metaverse is uh, super brief. Uh, somebody could scan up there. You could scan up whatever property you live in and uh, invite over ten different contractors into your your meta home. <laughs> Get your estimates that way. Forget having to invite them over in person. You know. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the way. That's the future. That's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the last thing uh i i have a feeling you're probably just gonna laugh this one off but i'm i'm gonna give the the best bull case i could think for him nicola okay nicola i know i know i I know i told told you but i I gotta say you gotta give him credit for this idea that uh putting hydrogen in a battery and, and having a battery electric vehicle having this together would create demand for hydrogen fuel stations which means maybe we'd actually finally get a hydrogen transition which i just don't see happening otherwise you know you got like plug power has their hydrogen uh commercial vehicle partnership with renault out in france but nobody's got hydrogen stations so it just seemed like that nickel idea that initial badger idea of hydrogen battery the idea was good they were a complete fraud of a company but but what do you think about that idea and then maybe separately, the company—do they have a chance?
1: Do You have kids. Uh huh. Okay. Would you let your wife and your kids drive in a Nikola Badger that's fueled by hydrogen?
0: I—I I mean, I guess I haven't thought about that. <laughs> so you're—you're you're anti the explosive, uh, the Hindenburg effect. And, so, huh?
1: and And Elon has said this: it's an unstable gas, I and mean, it's not—it's not the most easy to use uh, power in the world, and. I just think there's a reason why you don't have hydrogen-fueled vehicles, you know, driving around the road. Think about if one gets gets hit. You know, just think about if one gets into an accident. I just that's think it's, it's unsafe. But I don't, I don't see it being commercially viable. Nickel's going to go away at some point, either wow. it's going to sell to somebody, and I don't know if you've ever talked to people there. Um, I mean, I have, and it's it, that's really kabuki theater at Nikola. I'm sorry. And this is it before Trevor Milton. It was Kabuki theater and, you know, you could you could talk to other people there. I think they're just making it up to go on. Look, they'll have prototypes. Um, you know, right now they have, I think, one client. They're supposed to be delivering vehicles by the end of the year, Anheuser-Busch. And if they don't get their vehicles to them, you know, that's their last client. And I just don't see them ever producing at scale vehicles yeah. in either Arizona or in, uh, I guess, the plant over in Europe. So I put I put their value their value at what they have in cash, which is about two to three dollars. Sure. <laughs> at some point they'll realize it and they'll just sell it because they're, they're going to run out of time and people are going to say, "Ouch!" Oh God, All right.
0: <laughs> so so your discounted cash flow is. Where's the balance sheet? Here it is.
1: <laughs> this is what it's worth. Three bucks. It's cash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great, Gary Black. Thank you. How do people follow
1: you? Uh, at Gary Black zero zero on Twitter uh that's the simplest way or you can go to ffnd which is the ticker of our active etf um we just crossed 100 million dollars today actually in assets not, not ffnd but our firm and our premier product is ffnd but you can find us on twitter or just go to go to the website at uh, the future fund
0: future fund awesome awesome yeah. Thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing. If you don't mind, stand by for a moment for everybody watching. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you in the next one. Appreciate it. And uh, until next time. Thanks, guys.